We're continuing the Lenten sermon series on the book of James. I've done some research, discovered that there's actually a phobic society of America. It's for people who have different fears. I would encourage you, if you want to go to this, that you ought to go. Because the Phobic Society of America has 3,500 members last year at their annual convention. Only 200 showed up. The rest of them were afraid to go. Afraid of large groups, afraid of flying, just too afraid. It's interesting to me that we all have different fears. We are frightened by different things. Some of you have fought in combat, but you're not about to visit your dentist. Others of you climb mountains, but if someone would ask you to speak in front of 15 people, it would kill you. Some of you are men who make $1,000 decisions, but when things go creak in the night, you send your wife. It's amazing to me that we all have different kinds of fears. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. This morning we want to look at our second greatest fear. In your notes, the second greatest fear is the fear of failure. Yeah, the fear of failure. And in America we idolize success. Therefore, failure is almost an unpardonable sin. Nobody wants to fail. Some people will do anything to win. Do you know someone like that? The fear of failure puts a lot of stress on people. People will refuse to climb the ladder of success because they fear failure. The fear of failure has many different faces. Two things fear of failure can cause. The fear of failure in your notes, number one, causes indecision. You cannot make decisions. You have a hard time deciding. Because you're afraid, you will make the wrong decision. And number two in your notes, the fear of failure also causes perfectionism. You're never satisfied. It's never just right. And research has shown that the more successful you are, the more you tend to fear failure. Fear is a big issue in a dog-eat-dog world. The fear of failure is most severe among talented people. Let's have a little quiz. How many of you have ever known an answer to a question you're afraid to raise your hand? Raise your hand. Gotcha. How many of you didn't raise your hand? The Bible tells us that there are four antidotes, though, to this fear of failure. We look at them. Number one, in your notes. The first antidote to failure. Remember that everybody fails. Remember that everybody fails. Have you ever made any mistakes? Then welcome to the human race. Look at James 3, verse 2. Please read it with me together, out loud, with some enthusiasm. We all stumble in many ways. How many can agree with that verse? In fact, how many of you are living proof of that verse? 
We all stumble in many ways. You know, I hear people say, what if I fail? I just want to say, what do you mean, if? Let me give you three facts of life. Number one, in your notes, you have failed. You have failed already many, many times. Number two, in your notes, you are a failure right now in some areas. In some areas, you are failing. And then number three, you will fail a whole lot more in the future. That concludes my message today. You're going to fail. Welcome to the human race. James says we all stumble in many ways. Look at what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20. There is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. So nobody is perfect. I was thinking about this. The closest you're ever going to get to perfection is when you're filling out your job application. That's the perfect view of yourself. Nobody is perfect, though. We all stumble. Even the superstars. You know that if you played in the NBA, the average NBA player only makes 50% of his shots. So that means he misses every other time that he shoots. And the guy with the best batting average in the majors may flirt with a batting of 400. In fact, nobody since Ted Williams has batted 400. That means that six out of every ten times at bat, Ted Williams walked back to the dugout. He was the very best, though. Even superstars strike out. So get this next point, even if you get nothing else. In your notes, when you let go of the image of being perfect, then the fear of failure will let go of you. So when you let go of the image of being perfect yourself, the fear of failure will let go of its grip on you. So remember, everybody fails. You have failed. You are a failure. You will be a failure in the future. It's part of being human. Number two in your notes. Realize failure is not fatal. In fact, we over-exaggerate the effects of failure. We blow it way out of proportion. Failure is not fatal. It's not the end of the world. Just look at what Proverbs 24, verse 16 says. No matter how often an honest man falls, he always what? Gets up again. Remember this in your notes. The fear of failure is far more damaging than failure itself. The fear of failure is far more damaging than failure itself. So God is saying in your notes, good guys stumble. Even good guys, the righteous, the people who are trying, stumble, they blow it. They stub their toes. Successful people are not people who never fail. They just get up again and again and they keep going. Successful people just don't know how to quit. In fact, look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but what? Not crushed. Perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not what? Not destroyed. So you just keep on keeping on, Paul says. In your notes, great people are ordinary people with extraordinary determination. They're extraordinary. 
They just keep on going and going. And they realize that they are never a failure until they quit. Looking at that definition of failure, failure in your notes is refusing to try again. Paul says, I get knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. How many of you missed the ball the first time you ever swung a bat? Sure, but did you give up playing ball? No, of course not. How many of you have missed a meal? Did you stop eating because you were a failure? You're not very consistent. You just keep on going. In fact, you might eat a little more next time. Everybody fails, but failure is not fatal. I was reading about some famous failures. Did you know that George Washington lost two-thirds of all the battles he ever fought? But he won the war. He later became president. Did you know that Napoleon, that he graduated 42nd in a class of 43? But then he went out and he conquered all of Europe. Did you know that in 21 years, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs? But he struck out 1,330 times. Babe Ruth struck out nearly twice as often as he hit a home run. John Priestley, who is the famous novelist, he got 753 rejection slips from publishers for books that he wrote. Before then, they published 564 of his books. How would you like to be rejected 753 times? R.P. Macy failed seven times at retailing. Then before he started the Macy department store. So you just keep on going. Number one, remember that everybody fails. Number two, realize it's not fatal. In your notes, number three. Just recognize the benefits of failure. We usually think of failure as a rather negative experience. Proverbs talks about people who really can take advantage of their failure. They learn from it. They make the most of it. They use it as an education. Did you know that one of the primary tools that God uses in your life to make you into what God wants you to be is failures. Did you know that? Let's look at three ways that God uses failures. Number one, on the back of your notes, God uses failures to educate. Yeah, he uses failures to educate me. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. See, the words mistake and successful are in the same verse. They go together. How do you learn to become a success? By learning what doesn't work and not doing it again. Mistakes are learning experiences. Would you agree with that? There are some things that we learn only through failures. Sure, and some of us are highly educated. If you are not making mistakes, you're probably not growing. God uses failures to educate me. Number two in your notes. God uses failures in my life to motivate me. 
failures to motivate me. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful situation, what? To make us change our ways. Can you agree with that verse? Sometimes we change not by what we see, the light, but only when we feel the heat. When you fail, have you thought that maybe God wants you to go in a new direction? There's the story of Elijah. When he goes down to that brook of Cherith, the ravens are coming down and they're feeding him. Then one day the Bible says the brook dried up. And Elijah gets all mad. He says, God, why did the brook dry up? See, sometimes in our lives the brook dries up. God said simply, I don't, I want, don't want you to there any longer at the brook. Elijah was going to stay there as long as the brook provided. But God wanted Elijah to move on. God lights the fire under us also. Sometimes it takes a painful situation for us to change our ways. Number three in your notes. God also uses failures in your life to cultivate you. So number one, to educate you. Number two, to motivate you. Number three, to cultivate you. Look at Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. He says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Is that the typical reaction to your trials and problems? And why do we rejoice? Going on, Paul says, For we know that they are good for us. They develop strength of character. You see, failure has a way of softening our hearts. In some people, failure builds character. It helps us grow. Helps us to become mature. It makes us less judgmental. In some people, failure builds their character. In your notes, some people, failure makes them better. Failure only builds your character and makes you better when you respond to it correctly, when you learn from it, when you grow from it. But then for some people, failure makes them, in your notes, bitter. It makes them more judgmental. Three antidotes to failure then were remember everybody fails, realize it's not fatal. Number three, recognize the benefits. That leads us to the fourth antidote, the fear of failure. Number four in your notes, relax in God's grace. And that's the most important antidote to failures. You just relax in God's grace. Look at Psalm 103, verse 14. Please read it with me together out loud. God knows what we are made of. He remembers we are dust. You know what that says in your notes? That when we fail, God is not surprised. Because God expects us to fail. God knows what we are made of. He knows that we are human. God does not expect us to be perfect in every way. Now, even when you fail, God is not going to stop loving you. If you think you have to be perfect for God to love you, you have missed the central message of the Bible. In your notes, the central message of the Bible is that God loves you not because of who you are, but rather because of who he is. God loves you because of who he is, not because of what you do. God loves you because of what Jesus has done for you. 
God made you. God loves you. And get this next point in your notes. You cannot make God love you more, and you cannot make God love you less. God loves you just as much on your bad days as he does on your good days. See, God's love is not performance-based. God's unconditional love, in your notes, is called grace. And God's grace is truly amazing grace. And you cannot make God love you or stop you from loving you. It's truly amazing. And that's why you can simply relax in God's grace. God's love is not dependent upon you. Now, many of us grew up in homes that were very performance-based. We thought if we failed, we were worth nothing. God is not like that unpleasable parent. Looking at Colossians 2, verse 14. Please read that verse with me together out loud. See, God canceled our debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with his rules and nailed it to the cross. Circle the words, all those rules we failed to follow. The gospel says that all of these rules we failed to follow, all of our sins, God nailed them to the cross. In your notes, the Christian life is not a mistake-free life. It's not a mistake-free life, but rather, number two, it is a guilt-free life. Take a deep breath with that one. We're not required to live a mistake-free life. We're all going to make mistakes. Now, when the Bible tells about the great servants of God in history... It tells it like it is. God saved the world through a man by the name of Noah. And yet the Bible says that after the flood he got drunk and got naked. The Christian life is not a mistake-free life. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Yet the Bible says that David had an affair, an illegitimate child. The Christian life is not a mistake-free life. The Bible says that Moses was a great man. He led the children of Israel through the Red Sea like Charleston Heston did. Everything was great. But the Bible tells us he killed a guy. He got angry. He hit the rock instead of speaking to it. So the Bible tells the good and the bad instead of speaking to it like Moses did. God uses ordinary people, ordinary people who can simply relax in his grace. So your primary witness as a believer to this world often in your notes is how you handle your mistakes. Think about that. If you claim to be a believer, your primary witness may be how you handle your failures. Yeah, How do you respond when you blow it? Do you also relax in God's grace? Or do you fake perfection? We together gather to celebrate Holy Communion. Because we have all sinned. We are sinners. We will sin in the future. And we know that Jesus died on the cross 
for sinners. We're not faking perfection. Rather, we celebrate Jesus' perfect life, his suffering and dying on the cross for us. So in conclusion, we may never need to fear failure because we can relax in God's grace. But there is one failure you need to fear. Look with me at Hebrews 12, verse 15. The writer to Hebrews says, Be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. So we don't need to fear failure. We can relax in God's grace. But there's one failure you do need to fear. One failure, only one. Everybody needs to fear. Don't let anybody fail to receive God's grace. You see, it's possible to live an entire life on earth without receiving God's grace by a trusting faith in Jesus. And what a waste that is. Now, this one person was standing at a party with a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other. And he's talking to a Christian there. And he says to him, Jesus is just your crutch. Jesus is just your crutch. And the Christian said, you've got to be kidding. you just got to be kidding. Jesus is not my crutch. Jesus is my iron lung. We couldn't live a single day without him. And we relax completely in his grace. Amen.